You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes. In this week's show, we'll be looking at the Revil ransomware gang arrest. The Ukraine cyber attack is Russia to blame. We'll be finding out why Meta is facing a billion pound class action case. Who is the top of the YouTube rich list? We'll also be learning a bit more about what Reddit is and what game consoles are going to be released in 2022. And you've also got our recommendations. My name is Christian Corley and with me this week is Ben Stegner. How are you doing, Ben? Hello, doing okay. We just had our first, uh, I don't know if big snow is, is strong enough, but it's not really, it wasn't a huge snow, but we had our first snowfall that laid around the area. So not too, too bad, but I know people were always freaking out, you know, got to go get your bread and your milk at the store because you're never going to be able to shop again. Well, you can bake <laughs> bread, can't you? You surely just need to buy a cow and then you're sorted. That's true. That's a, that's a longer term investment for the uh, <laughs> for many winters to come. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we've got a whole lot of things to get through this week. Uh, we've got our new section. We're going to be talking about Reddit and games consoles. And then we're going to finish the show with some recommendations. Let's kick this off. You are probably aware of ransomware. It's a type of malware that will lock or, in some cases, pretend to lock your computer and your, encrypt your data until you pay up, get an encryption, decryption key, I beg your pardon, and then free your computer and its data. Uh, this is a uh, scam that's been going for years now, and one of its uh, most well-known uh, users of this is the Revil gang. They have apparently been dismantled by Russian intelligence bureau, the FSB. Now, this has come from a bit of left field, really, hasn't it? Because we haven't, no one's really expected Russia to uh, join in the war against cybercrime, have they? No, I wouldn't think so. And I, I remember th there were so many cybercrime and ransomware events last year that the, the R evil one was that, oh, no, it wasn't the SolarWinds one. What were they responsible for again? They were the ones that were selling like ransomware as a service. Yeah. Was it the pipeline attack? There were so many last there year. So many last year. Them up. But yeah, they, they were a big gang. And uh, according to Russian state news service TASS, they developed malicious software and organized the theft of money from the bank accounts of foreign citizens. Uh, the FSB says that it has seized more than 426 million rubles, which is four million pounds. And I'm thinking that's probably about six and a half million dollars. Uh, in that, there was 440,000 pounds worth of cryptocurrency. And get this. 20 quote unquote premium cars so they've obviously been transferring this cash they've been uh, extorting because you know ransomware is extortion into uh into physical assets which is i mean that's laundering as well isn't it so uh, they've uh they're, they're, <laughs> this this i mean if this is if this is legitimate and these guys are being taken down by the russian authorities and given feeling the full force of the law there's gonna be some interesting court cases here yeah, I would think so. I mean, looking at this picture of all the money they seize, I mean, this looks like something you see in a movie, you know, when when the, when the Joker burns the pile of cash and the Dark Knight kind of a lot of money, just looking at all of it right there. Yeah, it's about uh, four million pounds. It's about, about five and a half million okay. US dollars. Yeah, it's not to be sniffed at. Uh, I mean, you get the feeling that there's probably a bit more of it floating around. They must have made more than that. So. Yeah, I would think if they have it in cars, um, so some of it was in crypto, so probably how much they had will there's got to be some really be known or won't be known for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
so now that's one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, we have Russia being blamed for a cyber attack against Ukraine. Now, uh, if you know your geopolitics, you'll probably know that Ukraine and Russia have been at loggerheads for some time since Russia invaded Crimea, which it has a historical claim to, or so it says. And, you know, we, we, we're talking two dimensions. We've got ransomware on one hand and cybercrime. And then on the other hand, we've got basically state actors attacking other states electronically. About 70 Ukraine government websites were knocked down on Friday, and Ukraine are blaming Russia. Now, you know, that's fair enough, but it depends really on the, like, the type of attack. And I mean, is that a show of strength, or is it just some Russians doing it? It's all very vague. And I mean, what does Russia have to gain by knocking out some websites? It's... Yeah, it seems almost like a scare tactic, like just to make you scare, but not really anything behind it. Um, there's the translation of the message here. It it looks like the message is in Russian. I don't, I'm not too brushed up on my Eastern languages. I was posted in Ukrainian, Russian, and Polish, and the message says, quote, Ukrainian, all your personal data has been uploaded onto the public internet. This is for your past, your present, and your future. Uh, it says the Polish language contains serious errors and didn't appear to be written by a native speaker. Yeah, Poland also blamed Russia for the hack. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't Russian-backed, and I'm not even saying it wasn't Russia. Uh, it seems more likely to be the sort of thing that uh, hackers do rather than the actual state of a country. That right. Presumably, if they were flexing their muscles, they would knock out gas pipelines and power stations and what have you. So, uh, on the other hand, maybe it's some form of propaganda warning to the people of uh, ukraine it's, it's it's a difficult one to call but it happens and it's it's important to be aware of these things because you know 10 15 years ago you watch a movie like uh, die hard 4 and you see these these ideas of these cyber attacks taking place and it feels a little bit far-fetched a possibility may be but now we're in the time where these things really can happen as ben mentioned earlier we have the ransomware attacks last year we have the pipeline attacks and we've got uh, things like this taking place and it is a new dimension of conflict on all levels isn't it yeah, there's also that uh, that map. I don't know how accurate this is or if this is a um, not real data, but like a simulation based on trends. But there's a website called uh, threatmap.checkpoint.com that has a visualization of every cyber threat happening right now. Right. It just basically shows where it's coming from, where it's going, and what type of attack it is. So it's, it's crazy to watch that, and I assume it's real time. Um, I don't know how generous they are with the definition of cyber attack but it is you know it's not like this happens like once in a while i mean it's pretty much constant to see countries hitting each other and trying to do something how whether how big it is or not we're not sure but i know you kind of just uh wish they we could kind of like uh cooperate a bit more rather than all that sort of thing don't you but uh uh that's where we are with that now are we it's it's one of those moments where i think maybe i'm pronouncing this wrong is it metro is it meter what 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 is it? Oh, Meta. Yeah, I say Meta. Do you I say would, Meta? I would say Meta. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. the word I think of is Meta is in the sense of like, like Meta, like something that refers to itself. Like yeah, that's yeah. a Meta sure. joke, I would think. Yeah. 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 So we're saying Meta. I've heard people say Meta. We're saying Meta are facing a billion-pound class action case from uh, the UK. Uh, Doctor Lisa Lovedal Gormson alleges that Meta. Formerly, you would call them Facebook. They're the company uh, that runs the Facebook website. 
abused its market dominance to set an quote unfair price for free use of facebook that being the personal data of uk users and she intends to bring the case to a competition appeal tribunal in the uk now this isn't the first time facebook has been attacked over privacy in the uk and in ireland this is quite an interesting new take on it though she told bbc news that opt-out cases are specifically permitted at the competition appeal tribunal as a result my case is able to claim damages on behalf of the 44 million british facebook users affected uh, unsurprisingly meta has rejected these allegations and uh, claimed that people access our service for free which, you know in terms of carrying out a cash-free transaction they do they choose our services because we deliver value for them and they have meaningful control of what information they share on meta's platforms and who with we have invested heavily to create tools that allow them to do so uh, over in the us the us federal trade commission was recently given the go-ahead to take meta to court over antitrust rules it's not um proving to be a good year for meta is it really yeah this is an odd case um this kind of reminds me of a year or two ago i think it was the european union i don't think it was just the uk um but i think it was the european union that was taking google to task over i believe it was chrome installation on yeah. Android or it was either either that or it was Google search being default in Chrome. And I remember Google using a similar line of reasoning where they say, you know, anyone is free to use whatever browser and search engine they want. People overwhelmingly pick our browser and our search engine because we believe it's the best. Sure. That kind of reminds me of this line of reasoning they, you see here with people access our service for free. They choose our service because we deliver value for them. Um, it is an interesting like, – on the one hand, I'm kind of glad to see these massive companies – face a little bit of accountability um, on the other hand it is kind of it's almost like people are trapped in a prison of their own choosing you know like if yeah. they really wanted to leave facebook they would but there's an argument that you can't really leave it because it's so ubiquitous in everyday life and the company makes it so hard to i don't know it's 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 tricky yeah and it's an easy way to communicate with your family and friends and share photos with distant relatives and all that sort of thing as well um and then there's all those i mean i i don't really like facebook particularly i've been in Lots of, uh, I used to be far more uh, sort of active on Facebook than I am now. Basically, my my Facebook activity now, I've got Facebook open in the background. My Facebook activity now is basically been involved with a couple of writing groups and a few retro gaming groups. And, you know, short of uh, receiving messages from my wife to tuck the children in or put the rubbish out, uh, that's pretty much it, really. I, I think that's this, I'm not saying that's the same for everyone. I suspect... A generation or two older than myself use it a lot more than I do. People in my generation seem to use it a lot less than they did. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, we might talk about this in a previous episode, or this just might be anecdotal from like my friends. But I would say, it, I, I think be, like my age, like late millennial, I feel like like late almost like the youngest millennials. I mean, um, I think Facebook kind of is old hat. I yeah. guess like there's so many more modern forms like they like sharing the short video on tiktok or just the quick pictures of instagram or the how simple twitter is compared yeah. to facebook's yeah. just kind of feels like a dinosaur i think to a lot of us yeah i think i would I'm, assume and i would assume that's for the next generation younger than me that's even more oh god the, the case, you know? yeah yeah i think for for my generation what i what i'm seeing is just you know when it came along in 2007 we were sort of like whoa let's have a look at this this is good everyone's uh, interacting with it and joining and making friends and everything like that i mean i look at my friends list now i called it by about at least 50 percent a couple of years ago and i have not looked back it's a lot easier to use i'm not reading through endless rubbish all the time i 
see what I'm interested in and ignore what I'm not interested in, basically. And I think the format of Facebook makes it very difficult to be, I guess, kind of engaged with everything and everyone on it. Yeah, it's, I it's think... It's just not possible. Most, I mean, I, I don't know how... This is just how I speak to how I use other services, but, I mean, Twitter, I follow a fair amount of accounts, so it's kind of just open it, take a look, and then leave... Instagram, I don't follow that many accounts, so I can pretty easily keep up with what people are posting, and I feel like yeah. I can open it, scroll to the end of the new stuff, and then that's it. Whereas Facebook just feels like an endless flow of just stuff that's, I don't know how old it is, I don't know how relevant it is, it's just there, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for us in the UK, uh, this could be, in the, I mean, I don't imagine Facebook's going to pay out, and I don't think it's going to be practical for it to pay all 44 million users in the UK. Uh, hopefully there's some sort of, uh, I mean, if it gets to that stage, then there's some sort of charity that they can uh, contribute to. Uh, maybe the uh, Open Rights Foundation. That'd be good. Um, <laughs> concluding the news this week, we have the YouTube Rich List for 2021. Now, if you're not really engaged with YouTube, you probably haven't heard of any of these people. Even if you are engaged with YouTube, you might be in a, you know, looking at completely, completely different part of YouTube and still not know who these people are. Uh, so it's been announced that Jimmy Donaldson, the 23-year-old American, better known as Mr. Beast, all one word, was YouTube's highest earning content creator in 2021, earning 54 million US dollars. His that makes me ill. Oh, yeah. I mean, his elaborate stunts have generated more than 10 billion views on the platform. Uh, that in for those of us uh, in the UK, that's thirty nine million pounds. It's just ridiculous. Uh, he overtakes ten year old toy reviewer Ryan Kaji, who has topped the annual list for the past two years. Uh, then you've got people that you may have heard of: uh, Jake Paul, Nathan Graham, also known as Unspeakable. Uh, it's it is mind blowing how much money is in YouTube for these big names. I'm going to go through the top ten uh, mainly because I like number ten's name. Preston Arsment. Uh, <laughs> number nine, Logan Paul. Number eight, Dude Perfect, which is a comedy prankster. Uh, number seven, Ryan Kaji. You've probably seen Ryan's World merchandise in toy shops. That's that's Ryan Kaji. Uh, Nastaya is a seven-year-old Russian girl with 90 million subscribers. I think my daughter might have watched her as well as Ryan. Uh, unspeakable. Number five. Number four, Rhett and Link, who uh, is a geek chat show called Good Mythical Morning. Uh, number three, you've got Markiplier, another gaming creator. Number two, Jake Paul, who branched out into boxing to get himself back in the top ten. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's commitment. And uh, number yeah. one, Mr. Beast, uh, who recreated elements of Netflix hit Squid Game on his channel, played hide-and-seek in an 80,000-seater stadium, and was buried underground. Uh, and he has a Mr. Beast Burger franchise. Wow, it's wow. it's it's incredible, isn't it? Really? Yeah. To be I, so I've I've said this before. I think I love YouTube the platform. I hate YouTube the company. Um, and but reading through this list, honestly, uh, the parts of YouTube I like are not this. Um, I only recognize a couple of these names. To me, seeing Rhett and Link on this makes me happy because they are what I think YouTube is you know what it was meant to be just two guys that had a funny show i mean they've been on youtube forever so the fact that they're still 
at the top makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could say Markiplier is like that too. But I a couple like a month ago, I updated an article we had of the top ten most subscribed to YouTube channels. And at the time, it was a lot. It was some of it was like music um, channels, like for Taylor Swift and stuff like that. But now I can't believe how many of the top ten are just toy review channels, like yeah. little little kid, like five year old kids. It blows my mind that they're that popular and they make that much money from stuff like this. I mean, I've never watched a single Mr. Beast video, but I mean, it looks like he only uploads about one video a month and they're mostly pretty cheesy. I mean, this looks very like YouTube clickbaity to me. So I, yeah, this is the kind of stuff you see when like you sign in, you open up YouTube's homepage and it signed you out and you're like, what on earth is on my page here? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm not signed in and it's not like the stuff I actually want to see. So yeah, this is the side of YouTube. I don't really understand myself. Yeah, it's, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, as I say, I've seen a few of these things. I've seen uh, Ryan and I suspect we've seen Nastaya. Uh, my daughter, my five-year-old, she, well, she's nearly five. She she has a tablet. She has an Amazon Fire uh, 10 HD. And she occasionally records videos to herself. Now, we let her watch uh, YouTube occasionally before school. Uh, once they're dressed and ready and everything, and we've just got time to kill, stick something on YouTube, maybe like one of those Nastaya videos or uh, a, a, a slime video or watch Ninja Kids or something like that. And uh, my 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 youngest, she started, uh, every time she makes a video on her tablet, she starts off saying, hi, guys. Because <laughs> that's what they all do, isn't it? Hey, guys, yep. oh, well, what Every are you doing? Oh, what's up? Their opening. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Okay. So we're going to move on now to a away from social media to uh, social media um, <laughs> Reddit in particular. Now I'm someone who has used Reddit. I've used it a lot over the years, but I'm not really someone who spends a particular amount of time in Reddit. I'm uh, sorry to say it's, it's not that it's difficult to use or anything. Like it's, I mean, it's basically thousands of online forums all under one website but I, I kind of got out of the habit of using forums and then reddit came along and it's like start using these forums uh, i mean what is reddit really it's 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 is it more than just a forum it's more than just forums isn't it yeah i would say it's uh yeah i think what you said it's like it's basically a collection of forums is about right i mean there's unifying like general guidelines and the way that they work is the same like the way that you vote on posts and reply and tag people like that's all the same but every subreddit is totally different with its rules and how strict the moderators are and how often it gets posts and stuff like that but yeah i would i mean that calls itself the front page of the internet and it was originally meant for just sharing links to interesting things um now it's used for a lot more of course but yeah in general it's just supposed to be a community place to make a community of people that care about something and then just have them all revolve around that whether it's something as general as news or as specific as you know people that love a certain card game or something many years ago i uh, ran a website about a tv show and on that site we uh, established a forum and there was only like three or four of us running the website so we thought let's create some fake users i see reddit did this they obviously had a lot more success with it than i did <laughs> that they had fake users to start so it looked like there were yeah more. yeah they yeah, faked that's, its that's... first users yeah I, you do wonder how much of that. I mean, there's definitely stuff now with, I, mean, I might be jumping the gun here a little bit, but um, I've done articles on like really terrible Reddit posts that were somehow upvoted really highly. Um, and it does. Yes. Um, I think people like farm karma, which is Reddit's like 
points basically they don't it doesn't mean anything but if you have high karma it shows that people have liked your posts a lot yeah so i think people definitely like farm karma with cheesy posts that they know will get upvotes and then they sell those accounts to spammers or brands that want to advertise if you look closely on reddit especially on popular subreddits like pics there are a lot of posts that are thinly veiled advertisements like someone's like hey i just published my first book i'm so excited to be a published author like Okay, yeah, you're you're sharing that you're a published author, but you have the title of your book right in the post. Of course, people are going to go look for it. Stuff like that, you know, like astroturfing, basically like disguising advertising as a general grassroots thing from people. It's kind of nasty. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cynical, isn't it? Yeah, I think you kind of have to be cynical. It blows my mind some of the stuff that people vote up. I mean, there's entire subreddits dedicated to terrible posts on other subreddits, which I enjoy poking fun at. <laughs> Uh, the, the great thing about Reddit, I think, is that it's quite accessible to everyone, isn't it? So you, anyone can post to it. Uh, people who are well known can uh, host discussions on there, or you can do those uh, "Ask Me Anything"s. Lots of people have done those. Uh, Barack Obama, probably most famous. I can think of others, but they're not coming to mind at the moment. I can't really think of a big one recently, to be honest. Well, we can go to AMA and then we can look at uh, the top post in the last year or something that's like a, that. That's see, a good idea. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Top in the past year. Uh, let's see who's done it recently. Let's see. Uh, some some of these two aren't necessarily like a big name that you know. It's more like I have this unique job. So the top one in the last year is I'm a I'm a lobster diver who recently survived being inside of a whale. Whoa. Uh, Bill Gates, Todd Howard, the director at Bethesda, um, Vic, a former Amazon driver, Terry Collingsworth, a human rights lawyer who filed a child slavery lawsuit against Nestle. Um, so it's, it's an eclectic mix, basically, which is what I was, which is what I was saying, wasn't it? It's like anyone can do these things. Um, they've got something interesting to say. You, you know, they say I'm going to. Uh, you can ask me anything. This is why. This is me. This is why I've done who I am. Ask me anything, and then it gets scheduled, and then the responses come out after the all the questions being posted, aren't they? That's pretty much it. Right, right. It's just a way. It's a way to engage with interesting people. There's also subreddits for like slightly interesting. Ask me anything's like people that do some small thing, and they like not as big as this, but still fun. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's a big part of Reddit. I mean. But it's also it's a good place to um, find interesting links, interesting facts uh, that you know. Uh, there's there's things that cover everything from. I mean, here here I go again. Retro gaming, um, but you know, um, uh, sort of inspirational quotes, beautiful pictures to get you in the calming pictures, exciting pictures. There's uh, Reddit for Doctor Who. There's is there a Reddit for make use of? I don't know. I feel like there should I'm be. I'm not sure. There's Reddit's for writers. There's Reddit's for script writers. I've referred to those a few times in the past. Uh, there's, there's security, online security Reddit's and VPN Reddit's. There's Reddit's for Linux. There's Reddit's for macOS. There's Reddit's for Windows. There's Reddit's for Android. There's Reddit's for iPhone. Uh, there's Reddit's for Audacity that we're recording this on. There's probably a Reddit for Skype. Um, I mean, if you can think of it, there's almost certainly a Reddit for it. There's a dairy-free Reddit. There's a dairy-free recipes Reddit. So, you know, pretty much everything is covered. Yeah, it's a good way to find... I, I like so I like two things. I like joining subreddits for topics that I like. Like I love the game Persona Five, so I, I join that subreddit, and then people yeah. post like art and discussions. So I like that. But also, if I'm googling something and I want like 
uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, is, is it worth watching this movie or of these two products, which one's better? I, that's something I'll frequently just write Reddit at the end of my Google search for, because I like seeing real people discuss something because a lot of the time when you Google something and find like a very scholarly review of it, like, yeah, it's useful, but I'd rather just have someone say, yeah, I tried this or, you know, I'm a fan of this game and didn't like this other game. Like it's a, it's a good way to just see normal people talking about what you want to get an answer for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so as Ben mentions, um, all these different categories, they're, they're called subreddits and you can find them on Reddit. So you go to reddit.com and you can sign up or you can type forward slash R and then forward slash the topic. It's, it is massive, so it's worth using the search function or just using Google to find the things that you're interested in on Reddit. It's certainly worth being a member, and it's very easy to sign up. Uh, if I just click on sign up now, because I'm not signed in at the moment, you can uh, use your email address, or you can use your Google account, or you can use your Apple account. Yes, I would recommend setting a username that's not, I mean, you can ha have it tied to your name, but a lot of people on Reddit just like to use some random username that's not connected to their identity at all. Um, and I would also recommend if you make a Reddit account, you probably want to unsubscribe from most of the default subreddits because they're just vile of filth. Yeah. Um, basically, the bigger a subreddit is, the more annoying it is. So stuff like pics and funny and politics are all just cesspools of clickbait and it's terrible crap. So I would recommend unsubscribing from most of those and then su subscribing to stuff that's actually more interesting to you because there's a lot of it on there. If you want to uh, check any of the links that we've uh, discussed in this week's really useful podcast, uh, view our show notes. Now, Ben Stegner, you're a gamer. I'm a bit of a gamer. I don't play games as much as I like to. Usually my gaming is either with an Evercade at bedtime for about five minutes or it's Mario Kart with the kids on the Switch. This year, 2022... There are five games consoles coming out. Now, they're not... Okay, one of them is, I suppose. Uh, but overall, they're not uh, new generation consoles. They're not on a par, apart from this one, with a PlayStation 5 or a uh, Xbox Series X or S. But there are, yet we've got five of them coming along, which I think that's kind of quite exciting, that gaming, and given you know the, the types of consoles that are coming along, they kind of hit every kind of base as well, I think. Yeah, it's nice to have, you know, with the Switch being five years old this year, wow, and the, the new consoles being about a, a little over a year old, the PS5 and the Series X, but still hard to find. It's nice to have some variety um, during those cycles, especially if you can't, if you want one of the new consoles and haven't been able to get a hold of one. What's the deal with the uh, Switch OLED? Is that out yet? Yeah, that came out in October, I want to say. Um I haven't, I haven't really seen followed it yet. too closely because I'm just not – I play my Switch 99% of the time connected to the TV, so I'm right. not too interested in that. But sure. I think that that came out in November. Let me see. Uh, OLED model um, was announced in July of last year, and it released in September. September. 2021. I still yeah. haven't seen one which is quite interesting, in the wild, it says that, as it were. says that uh, Nintendo reduced the base price of the original Switch model in Europe from €330 Euros to €300, Euros, and in the UK it went from £280 to £260. Right. But North America and Australia did not get a price cut on the original model. Okay. Well, we digress in there anyway. Let's go back to 2022. Sure. The, there are five consoles coming along, and this is roughly in order. We're, first of all, we've got the Steam Deck, which is probably the most exciting one for most people this is essentially a handheld linux computer 
that plays PC games uh, based on the Steam OS, which is a Linux-based operating system that basically integrates the Steam uh, gaming platform into the user interface, uh, into, into the operating system. And it, it sort of also loads into that. And then they're doing a lot of work to make a lot of games that weren't previously compatible with Linux to be compatible with Linux. And I think this, I mean, if it works, the Steam Deck could be the thing that properly revolutionizes PC gaming by making it as cross-platform as it can get, meaning that it will, all games, pretty much all games, will run on Linux, which is something that Steam have been trying to do for a long time, isn't it? Yeah, I or would Valve say that, have been I mean, trying to do for a long time, I should say. Yeah, I would say this would this would definitely maybe the first time that PC gaming has a quote unquote handheld, and it would make it the first time PC gaming is really heavily available away from the computer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like the Game Boy of the of the PC, or whatever you want to say. Yeah, there are a lot of handheld PCs around. They've been going for a few years now, haven't they? In, in it, with a similar sort of form factor, but they none of them have taken off. Yeah, I, th- I don't know if it's just because there's not a ton of, I guess there's not a ton of demand for it. Like, I, I guess when you think people that like to play games on PC, probably, you know, the type of people that spend a lot of money on a nice computer. So they want to play games on that computer and aren't too worried about doing it on the go or streaming or whatever. So that could be why um, hopefully having Valve behind this makes it a better effort. Although we have seen hardware from Valve be discontinued after a few years in the past, you know, Steam Controller and steam link which we've talked about so hopefully this will be uh, their home run in this space yeah so that's the steam deck we're expecting that to arrive in february uh it should have been out in december it should be coming along in february i have got my name down for one of you i do not mainly because i don't play a ton on pc and if i do i want to be at my computer so yeah this is not not quite for me but i i am excited for people who are excited for it if that makes sense now, following that, in March, on March the 25th, we have the A500 Mini. Uh, this is a kind of a sequel to the Commodore 64 Mini and the Commodore 64. You'll notice I'm emphasizing the because it's part of the name. Uh, they are devices, the Commodore 64 ones are devices that are basically uh, have a small SPC, single board computer inside, that then emulates a Commodore 64. The A500 Mini works along the same way, uh, along the same lines, only is um, loaded with emulation software for the Amiga 500. And also, I think I might say in the uh, 600 and versions of the Amiga. Uh, if you don't know what the Amiga is, it's a classic computer that was launched in 1985 and remained in production for around 11 years um, in various guises. It started off with the Amiga 1000 then 500 and 500 plus and the 2000 and 3000 and 4000 and the a600 and the a1200 and there's also a cd version called the cd32 which looks a bit like a mega drive cd and there was also a uh, kind of a, a cd player version called the cd tv um i did mention i like retro gaming didn't i you can probably yes. see where my heart is there. Um, the Amiga 500 is a great-looking little Amiga 500 replica. It's not going to be full-size, but it is going to play the games, and you'll be able to load up. It comes with several, uh, I think it's 25 pre-installed. And I'm kind of excited about it. I've actually ordered one as well yeah this is this is well before my time so i don't i don't know too much about any uh, the commodore or anything like that as 
I, I've maybe I've seen like videos about a couple of them, so I don't know too much about these, but um, I just from a purely game preservation standpoint, I, I do love to see these mini consoles or whatever you want to call them re-releases come out just because it makes these games much more available and playable yeah. in today's market. Well, the strange um, thing is about the Amiga is that you can buy um, old Amigas, original Amigas, um, they need to be recapped. So if you were to buy one on eBay, you could probably get it. If it hadn't been recapped, it's not going to cost you very much, probably £100, and then it costs you about £30, £40 to get it recapped. And then you could essentially sell it for two or three times what you paid for it. But the strange thing is, you I mean, if anyone wanted to, I mean, there's, you know, you can emulate an Amiga on a Raspberry Pi or on a PC, but you can actually buy hardware to build your own Amiga based on the original designs. You can get, um, you know, people produce motherboards. Uh, you can get cases that like remakes of the originals with um, so, uh, some people actually have the original molds from the original Amiga cases. So. It's not necessary to actually do this, but the thing is, and this is what I love about um, the, the whole retro thing at the moment, is things like the A500 Mini and the NES Mini and the Evercade, they make it, you don't have to worry about messing around with emulation software, which can be a massive pain and a massive time drain when you're trying to play old games. You just load them up, select the game and play, which is just what's so great about them. Right, it's good for uh, collectors. It's good for people that played these games a long time ago but don't have the original hardware. Because um, a lot of these games, if you want to play them, like you said, even even if you bought an old, it's that's a lot of money to spend on an old system, and then you have to buy old games. So that that's that's a big barrier to entry. Um, whereas something like this, it's a new system. It connects to your modern TV, and it just works. So yeah, I'm definitely a fan of the, these happening I, I like this says it has upgradable firmware which i don't think has been the case for um nintendo's mini systems with the playstation mini so it's nice to see that and it says it outputs at 50 hertz in europe so it matches the original uh yeah. refresh rate there it seems so so that's coming along in march uh later in the year we have the astro city mini 5 or it's not 5 it's v and it's called v because it is a vertical screen this is a device from sega which is a sequel to the Astro City Mini and it ships with 37 games. These include titles that were Sega's and some from beyond Sega's own IPs. They've so far released only 22 titles but you've got things like uh, VV and Raiden, Action Fighter, Zaxxon, Sonic Wings, there's loads of them. Uh, that's coming along later in the year. Again that's a retro device. In television Amico is another one which is designed to play older games it runs on android and linux uh, but i suspect there's going to be a lot of new games for this one as well uh, the date for this one has not been set in stone yet but it's expected to be the second half of 2022 and then we finish with the play date which is a device that's been repeatedly delayed uh, since 2020 and this is an unusual uh, system because it has a monochrome lcd and you can design your own games for it, but it also has a hand crank. Yeah, that's I've seen a lot of games consoles. I've never seen a system with a crank. That's yeah. very unique. Yeah, and it, I mean, they've demonstrated some of the games that will run on it. And uh, one of the things that they're doing, they're issuing games in seasons as well. So, so like curated collections of games. You can also sideload games as well. Um, but And the crank is uh, so like it's used for particular games Anyway, it has a D-pad and two buttons, but it also has this crank that you can use for various, you know, whatever the developer envisages the crank can be useful, basically. 
uh, for games, which is kind of interesting. Now, this isn't really a retro thing because this is for developing new games on, but uh, new games with a very kind of a slimmed down uh, monochrome. Uh, but I, I kind of, with a sort of a retro aesthetic, I suppose. Yeah, this looks nice and kind of like a throwback. Um, yeah, I mean, one black and white screen is old school obviously it's almost almost like playing games on a kindle or something um, <laughs> yeah. and the crank has some interesting ideas i like that the, the price of the games is included in the system so it could be fun if you like quick little games and i see some um indie developers that i recognize on here that are going to be making games for this uh bennett foddy uh, zach gage made spell tower on iphone i see lucas pope who made papers please and return of the Oberdin. so um yeah there's definitely some something to get excited about here i don't i don't I don't know if I get this. It's interesting. I think I, that the crank is funny. It's going to be hard to emulate these games years down the road if people ever want to put them on a different system with unique controls like that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. The um, playdate we're hoping to review it and make use of. So uh, keep your eye open for that. Oh, also the A500 Mini. That's getting a review at make use of. I know for a fact because I'm the one reviewing it. Alrighty. Which brings us nicely on to our concluding section, which is our recommendations, in which we uh, recall something that we've experienced over the past week, and then we share it with you, so you can check it out yourself, basically. Uh, who's going first, Ben? Me or you? Uh, how about you go first? Okay. Uh, so, this is one I may have done before a long time ago, uh, but I may not have done it came up this morning, as I mentioned earlier on in this week's show. Uh, sometimes uh, if the uh, children have managed to get ready for school and there's time to spare, which, let's be honest, it doesn't happen often, but it happened today. So it was a good opportunity for my son to stick on YouTube. Now, usually he goes for some sort of uh, cryptozoology nonsense or ninja kids or something. There's a guy who does kind of Star Wars theory, but he's got a really dull voice. There's a guy called Colin Furs, who's like this crazy inventor in the UK. And then there's this magician that he likes to watch called Evan Era. And basically this guy, he will demonstrate how to do magic tricks. And there's a whole host of magic tricks of different levels. I do feel that if this guy was in the UK, he would have been disrobed from the magic circle. Because I suspect he's given away a lot more than he probably should. But, oh, okay. uh, I'm, you know, I might be speaking out of turn there. I'm not a, a member of the magic circle, so I don't really have any uh, background on that but i do know that uh, magic tricks are closely guarded secrets and he does seem to be sharing quite a lot but they are fascinating uh where it, the way he films them the tricks so you can get a proper glimpse of what's going on from the magician's point of view and from the audience point of view and there's just such a great selection he's got his own merchandise as well i think uh that's on the sideline it's the it's the actual tricks on the videos are worth checking out because if you're interested in magic and illusions and card tricks and all that kind of thing sleight of hand uh, this is a good place to start off these are good tricks and um, so i'd rec that's my recommendation for this week is the evan era youtube channel evan era tv i think it's called all right yeah i might have some more magicians on our hands if uh people get to watching them let's hope so yeah, so uh, I picked this week uh, a game, a video game I really like called uh, Baba Is You. So it's available on uh, Steam. It's on Google Play and the App Store for mobile. It's on the Switch, um, and then it's on it's, Steam is available for every desktop OS. Um, so this is 
I think the best puzzle game ever made, and that might sound hyperbolic, but wow. it's really, really clever. Okay. Uh, basically, Baba is You is a top-down puzzle game where the rules of the level are presented in text blocks. So, for example, wall is stop means that you can't walk through a wall. But you're free to move the words around and change the rules of the level. So if you break up the sentence, wall is stop, you can just walk right through a wall because it's not stop. Um, so Baba is you means that you control the character Baba, who's a little white sheep. So if you push something else in, in place of Baba, so like key is you, then you can control the key. So the game starts out simple enough to teach you some basics of how it works, but there are so many levels, so many ideas, and there's not always just one solution. So you can, uh, maybe play a level a second time and find another way. There's also challenge levels that remix an older level and make you figure it out again without the solution you tried the first time. It just constantly, it's a huge brain bender. It's difficult, but in a very Eureka type of way, um, really smart, a ton of levels. And it just a couple months ago released a level editor. So you can make your own stages now and share them, which is awesome. So it's a really great puzzle game. If you like thinking and figuring things out, and it's also a fun game to play, like with two people looking at the screen and kind of working together. I, I, I did that with a friend um, who stayed with me a little bit ago and we had a good time kind of attacking it uh, from different angles and working through it together. So it's only like $15 on, on switch and desktop and it's phenomenal. So I, wholeheartedly recommend it if you're into puzzle games and is this on the switch yeah switch steam google play app store so it's not on xbox or playstation i don't think but it's on everything else pretty much excellent and thank you for that recommendation ben that looks really cool i'm going to check that out as soon as i'm not playing on the evercade or being roped into play being beaten at mario kart 8 deluxe again You've been listening to the really useful podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes from makeyourself.com. And if you've anything to add to anything we've discussed this week, uh, let us know on Twitter or Facebook. We'll be back next time. Until then, it's goodbye. <laughs>